With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's going on and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Iconoffer of Pelicans.com. We've made it just one more day until the 2021 NBA draft. And as you know, we've done our picks one through eight or at least getting to know what these teams might do one through eight. And we'll wrap things up with pick number nine today, which is the Sacramento Kings. And joining us once again is Jason Jones, who covers the Kings in the NBA 40 athletic out there in california jason just one day to go hope all is well with you in sacramento how are you i'm doing all right i'm probably doing better than the kings are right now just (laughs) i don't have to try to figure out trades and picks and everything that's very true we before we get to number nine um i know this is kind of a loaded question but you know looking at the state of the franchise with that long playoff drought where where are the kings as far as I guess, trying to get back into the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Where do you think their roster stands entering tomorrow night's draft? I think really outside of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, maybe if you want to throw Harrison Barnes in there, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly who exactly will be back. I mean, they, they really want to, they really don't want to set that record for uh, most years at the playoffs at 16. So they're going to, they're really being aggressive and trying to figure out ways to shake up the roster it's, you know, you kind of you can't keep expecting to change things and bring back pretty much the same team every year and wonder why you're in the same spot. So they know that. That's why I think in the draft they'll look for someone who maybe can help them more immediately. And then that'll just be part of a bigger picture where whether it's trades, free agency, they're going to really try to shake this roster up. When it comes to aggressiveness, does that come tomorrow night in the draft? Maybe trading out of that nine, maybe for a veteran piece, or does that maybe come in the free agent time with a trade and they they do look for someone to get a number nine? I think it's going to be both. I think they're definitely be aggressive in free agency, but and even with this pick here, they could they could take it, they could maybe attach it to a veteran, <coughs> excuse me, and move back try to move up. I mean, they're, they're going to really explore everything. The, the way uh, general manager Monty McNair works is that there's really no bad idea. So he's going to explore every possibility to see what's out there. So at this point, I think they're going to use the ninth pick. I think, it, but I mean, this thing could change so quickly, but I do, th- I, I expect at least one trade in the next couple of, you know, you know, at least in the next day or two, then when frequency gets going, things should be kind of wild for them. Before I get to Jim here, and you talk about if they stay at number nine, 
whether it's a position player or a certain Silskit, where, where they might go with that number nine pick? Is there anyone that you think they are eyeing or someone that you think might best fit there with the Kings? Mm. Well, they, 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 they all, a lot of their needs are in the front court, whether it be uh, depth at the you know, four spot. They really would like to get maybe another stretch four. Right now their stretch four is Harrison Barnes. I mean, Marvin Bagley starts there, but Marvin Bagley doesn't close games. They really need some help on the wing as well. I mean, they were woefully small on the wing last season. Whenever they matched up against from almost anybody, you know, you, you'd have in some cases, you know, six three and a half, six four, Buddy Hield guarding guys six nine, six ten, and they had the worst defensive rating in the league. And part of their defensive problems were just they were just too small. I mean, they would get overpowered at almost every position. So if they could get a wing in that six seven, six eight, six nine range. A guy, you know, who comes in ready to defend or has the potential to be a good defender. I think those that guy, those type of guys are going to be the priority. But pretty much I'm thinking all front court guys, maybe even center, depending on what they think might happen with Rashawn Holmes and free agency. Jason, you, you mentioned earlier that Halliburton is one of the, you know, kind of core guys that you expect to be back next season. I think a lot of people around the league were just really impressed by the way he played last year and the way he came in and also the fact that he said from the very beginning that he wanted to be in Sacramento that that was kind of one of his preferred destinations what what was the most impressive thing to you or some of the most impressive things to you about the way that he performed as a rookie one would just be the kind of the calmness and the maturity he played with when you watched him play and even talk to him he didn't sound like a rookie he sounded like he had been around for a few years and then secondly, just kind of the, the, the respect he commanded from his teammates. I remember early in the year, he had a little a minor injury. And these guys were lost without him. Mm. And you have all the vets saying, hey, we know we, he's only a rookie, but we need to get Tyrese back. You know, and it's, that's maybe 15, 20 games in his career. I think Harrison called him a connector. So, I mean, just to, to, to basically, you know, especially last season, it was all so different. No summer league, no real extended training camp. He pretty much walked in from the draft to the locker room and became a leader. But he always deferred to De'Aaron and said, you know, it's not my team, it's De'Aaron's team. I'm just here to help. But you can't deny what, you know, what your eyes tell you and what you know, kind of what the, the game shows you is that he has this natural leadership abilities that you can't teach. And that's one thing the Kings have lacked on that team for years, just guys who are just natural leaders. And when you try to force it, the guys don't buy it. But – for Tyrese, it was just so natural. The way he came in has kind of galvanized those guys. I mean, obviously, it seemed like that was a great pick, and it worked out as well as it possibly could have for Sacramento, especially since it wasn't like they were picking in the top three of the top five last year. Um, you, you mentioned the the defensive struggles, and, uh, you know, obviously Pelicans fans are familiar with that as well. as it They didn't struggle to the degree that Sacramento did last year, but um, is it realistic to think that they can find someone in the draft that can – make a significant dif difference on the defensive end or, or, I mean, is it just kind of going to need to be multiple moves that allow them to come up from the very bottom tier of the NBA defensively? It's only realistic in the sense that they were so bad. <laughs> Anybody who can do a little something that's going to make a, a difference for them. I mean, they'd have games where essentially, you know, you can maybe cover for one guy. They'd have games where you had three bad defenders out there. And I don't know what you can do schematically when they can attack you from every almost every angle. So if they just get, you know, 
I think it might be unfair to expect the rookie to change it, but you know, a uh, guy people talk about like is, is, is Franz Wagner, who's a no six nine. You know, he says he's bigger than six nine now, which you know is not uncommon nowadays. These guys coming in so young, they may yeah. be listed at one thing, and then you, by the time they get to your team, they're an inch taller. But when you have a guy like that who comes in with the pedigree of he can be a three and D guy, he would help just off the bat coming in and saying, hey, I want to play defense because they didn't have enough of those guys. And they're going to still have to go out and find vets. They got some help last season at the trade deadline where they got Mo Harkless and DeLon Wright in there and Terrence Davis just because it gave them some length and athleticism out there that helped down the stretch when they were trying to make that last push. But, yeah, this rookie, likely, if he can, if he can play defense, he's going to play. And that's why I thought a guy like Davion Mitchell would be a consideration, even though he plays point. He can defend, and anyone who plays defense will get the king's attention. Well, it should be interesting come tomorrow night. That's Jason Jones, who covers the Sacramento Kings for The Athletic. Of course, you can follow Jason on Twitter, at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Jason, enjoy the draft, and I'm sure we'll have you on during the regular season. Thanks for your time. Of course. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right, Jim, so that will wrap up our NBA draft previews as we went one through nine big thanks to all the guests involved for helping us out and then of course who knows what will happen tomorrow with any of these franchises and what the order might be come tomorrow um but jim what did you learn from one through nine real quick i'm kind of putting you on the spot but it just seems like i don't know how much consensus there is in anything besides maybe number one i think after that who knows what can happen tomorrow night it's interesting. And, and as we freely admit, we're no draft experts. I, I know yes. I've spent a decent amount of time over the last few weeks, maybe even going back a month plus reviewing stuff, trying to learn as much as I can. I have a draft scout who is feeding me information and that helps a lot just to try to get a grasp on what the heck is going on with um, some of these players that you're unfamiliar with. Um, but I think there's actually based on the podcasts and different shows I've listened to, it does seem like they're starting to be kind of a, a general agreement on who the top four picks are going to be. After that, there seems to be some major um, disagreements or confusion on maybe what might unfold once we get to Orlando at number five. It seems like they have the, they have maybe the most interesting decision. If, as I said, some of the reports or some of the, um, inclinations that people like Woj and draft experts have on how the first four picks are going to go. But I mean, just in general, I think um, it's been interesting to listen to people talk about what their team needs are and what direction they might go in. Um, I do think that there's uh, a lot of different scenarios that could happen after that, those first few picks. And I think that might be one of the most interesting parts of the draft on Thursday. We'll get into more about what you can expect tomorrow in the draft and from us on the Pelicans Radio Network. But also yesterday, Jim, both of us had the pleasure of being inside the Oxford Sports Performance Center, which is something we haven't done in quite some time for Willie Green's press conference as he was announced officially as the head coach, the eighth in franchise history. I just want to start there and just seeing the beat writers between Andrew Lopez, Will Guillory, Christian Clark. I saw you in person, Ty Graffinini. Some of us see each other um, outside of work, but just being there and actually getting to meet this head coach as we did not have the pleasure of meeting um, Sam Van Gundy for the one year he was here, just based on COVID protocols. It was just nice to be back in the facility. I feel like we're getting closer and closer to the basketball. And it was kind of a, a feeling of a little bit of a sense of normalcy yesterday. 
It was. I mean, you still have some of the protocols. I mean, we're a lot of us are wearing masks and and that kind of thing, which is unfortunate. That I would love to get to the point where I can have conversations with people that are normal and you know back to the way that was. But you're right. It was it was good. I mean, for me, it was the first time I've been back on the facility in the facility since March of 2020. So I remember that Friday after we came back from Sacramento for for the game that wasn't played. Um, that Friday was the last day that I have been in, in the office since then. So that was cool. And it was, it was a, it was a good event. I, I know I'm sure a lot of people have seen the videos of it. It, it was, it really kind of was just exactly the way I remember him where he's pretty, he's a pretty um, kind of laid back personality. He, he says a lot of things that are inspirational or motivational and, and that kind of thing. But, um, but it, it was, you know, it was good to be, be back and get to interact with people again and, like you said, hopefully we'll be doing a lot more of that soon. What we've heard from others around the league about Willie uh, seemed to be true from what he said yesterday. And I think the biggest thing that we always talked about, at least this past week, is relationships and building those. And it seemed like Willie really stressed that yesterday as far as developing relationships with his players, his coaches, and that's where it starts, not the X's and O's. He says anyone can deal with the X's and O's, but it's the relationships with players. And I think that Still, even hearing it from others and hearing it from yesterday was kind of a bit of a, a breath of fresh air to, to figure that's where this is all going to start with him laying the foundation. You know, and it's interesting. People focus a lot on the part of how well does the coach get along with the players and that part of the relationship. And that was something that Willie addressed a little bit. But to me, it speaks a lot more to how you develop the player in terms of them improving. If you have a really good relationship with them, off the court and on a daily basis, I think it's a little bit easier for the players to get motivated to come in every day and work hard and work on. I mean, it's something that needs to come from within anyways, but I think that part of it is definitely something that has helped Willie Green. It sounds like during his brief coaching career, where he's one of those guys that was on the floor a lot with players working with them before games and before practices and that kind of thing. And if it's funny, if you look at the, um, if you look at the, uh, photo searches for Willie Green. There's a lot of pictures of him working out with players on the court before the game. So I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to continue to do that as a head coach. I'm sure he probably have to, to, you know, decline a little bit in how much time he spends in doing that just because there's so many other um, responsibilities you have, but that's definitely a big element of, you know, what made him, uh, has made him a successful coach so far and, and something that I think a lot of people took note of in the two places where he's been in Golden State and Phoenix, where they've been extremely successful. And I know we just talked about not really mentioning a lot about the X's and O's, but he did bring up the defense as far as where they're going to start, um, as they were a bottom five team for most of the year last year. The Pelicans were, um, but he he was in a good spot with Phoenix as far as considering him the defensive coordinator. We talked about this when they introduced him as head coach. You know, they were sixth overall in defensive rating last year. The the Phoenix Suns were so. I mean, that's where if you're trying to make a run in the playoffs, it, it, it comes back to defense. So I feel like it's a good sign for, for Pelicans fans that Willie's going to stress that to get things going here. And, you know, I hope that, you know, we just talked about getting back to normal or more closer to normal this upcoming season. I hope the Pelicans can use training camp and this extended off season stretch to put themselves into position where at the beginning of preseason or the beginning of the regular season, they have a defensive system installed and in place because Unfortunately, what happened last year was it seemed like to just, you know, kind of describe it as broad in as broad terms as possible. They put in a system defensively that they had to quickly learn and install 
and then maybe 20, 30 games in the season, they had to scrap it basically, or, or modify it a ton and go with something else because it wasn't working. So hopefully with Willie green and maybe some of the personnel decisions or changes that they can make, that they can become better defensively. Um, we'll see a lot better, more effective def defense at that end of the floor. Um, we know that it's, it's never defensively. It's never about one player or, or one coach or, you know, one adjustment. It's going to take a lot of, you know, people contributing in, in different areas for them to get up to the point where they're a lot more consistent and, you know, have, especially in particular, not having so many games where they give up so many threes the way that was so costly last season. And, you know, speaking of Willie Green, uh, before we let, uh, before we get out of here, you know, uh, just out of the blue, the summer league uh, schedule was released earlier today. If you haven't seen it, you can log on to pelicans.com or the Pelicans mobile app, but uh, Jim, he mentioned it yesterday too. He, you're going to see him coaching some of these games. And I think that's such a smart move by him and, and more so just him getting acclimated to being a head coach. I know again, he's been an assistant coach uh, for a handful of seasons, but I think him uh, being there and coaching some of these games, I'm very curious to see how that plays out, but come August 9th, Pelicans will open up summer league play against the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. That'll be one of the things that'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I think, we've seen before where the first time head coaches do take over the summer league teams um, at least for a few games and partly to kind of get adjusted to just being the head coach and some of the decisions you have to make, including I think getting rid of or getting used to the instant replay decisions that you have to make and hit, hitting the buzzer and that, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, to one side note, I was surprised the schedule came out for summer league because usually they wait until the draft because you need to know like, if, if there, if there's trades during the draft and the number one pick is on team X and now he's on a different team, they adjusted the schedule accordingly to put different teams on, but I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at it that closely, but I'm assuming that some of the quote unquote primetime games are um, matchups between say, you know, Detroit and Houston that they both have the first two picks. And I guess we're going to have to just assume that there aren't going to, or the, when they put the league schedule together, they had to assume that there won't, won't be that many trades, but yeah, it kind of caught me off guard. I was not expecting it to be ready this soon, but it'll be uh, it's definitely a different format, but that's something that I'm sure we'll get into when we get closer to uh, the start of summer league in the games there. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep the podcast going for a stretch at least until the schedule release comes out in August as of now, then we'll take a little break But that will include when free agency comes official. Again, we cannot talk about a lot of things until things are cleared up on August 6th, including what could happen tomorrow night in the draft when it relates to trades from not just the Pelicans, but any team around the NBA. And then with Summer League, Jim and I will be doing some sort of podcast, recapping the games or going through some interviews and checking in with uh, players and coaches from Vegas. But Jim, it starts with tomorrow night. We could be seeing some of those draft picks in Vegas for Summer League. 6 p.m. Central time is when we will begin on ESPN Radio 100.3 in New Orleans, Todd Graffinini, Gus Cangale, Maddie Hudak, and Jordan Kleber will be at Hooters on the West Bank. Make sure to go check them out. Say hello there. And Jim Eikenhofer and I drew the short straw. We'll be inside the Smoothie King Center uh, for most of the night as uh, it'll kind of be a fluid situation based on what the Pelicans will do, how many draft picks they'll have by the end of the night. And uh, we'll go from there. But we'll have an exclusive interview with Trajan Langdon. We'll have plenty of sound from Willie Green, the press conference. And if you missed any of the podcasts, we'll play you some of the bites from those as far as what you can expect from picks one through nine. So 
Jim, I'm sure even after we tape this next 24 hours could be crazy leading up to where we could see some more action. Um, but I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. It should be a, a fun night and uh, I'll see you at the arena. Bring some snacks. Yeah, I will see you there. It's always one of the most fun nights of the year, especially for people who are obsessed with NBA transactions and breaking news and that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to it as well. I, I feel like not every year, but a lot, a lot of years you see a big reshaping of the NBA on draft night, depending on what kind of trades teams do. So that'll be really uh, something to watch to see what kind of sweeping changes and different moves uh, teams around the league make. And one PSA, do not fall for any fake Twitter accounts. Make sure it's the correct Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams Charania or even a Mark Stein for that major. Make sure that blue check mark is there. That's why it's there. That's why Jim Eikenhofer has one. So no one makes a fake Jim Eikenhofer Twitter account, <laughs> which I know I'm sure plenty have been made. But make sure that that is it because for these next eight or so days, eight or nine days, that's where all the news is going to come from until everything becomes official on August 6th. But there will be some draft picks available for the Pelicans there and those that will be made by the Pelicans. You can watch on pelicans.com and the mobile app as well. All right, Jim, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Sounds good. And as you said, August 6th is a big day. We, we, we can't in, you know reinforce that enough that August 6th is also very important for us. Absolutely. Until tomorrow from our Smoothie King Center studios, big thanks to Jason Jones again for Jim. I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeking.